Good morning. It's time for the news from Back Home Magazine, your hands-on guide to sustainable living. Today's news is more about hydrogen as a fuel. Last week, we talked about the long history of trying to use hydrogen as a fuel, dating back well over 100 years, the limited energy content of hydrogen, and the storage problems. Other issues with hydrogen begin with the fact that hydrogen is extremely flammable. Anywhere from 4% to 74% concentrations can ignite and explode very easily. This is good for an engine, but it constitutes a serious explosion hazard in any confined space, such as garages where fuel cell cars would be parked. A big part of this explosive problem is that hydrogen can easily leak out of its storage containers. Safe storage requires more expensive compressors, tighter seals, and dedicated safety features. Compounding this, hydrogen burns with a virtually invisible flame, unlike gas or ethanol or methane, making detection of a hydrogen fire extremely difficult. The next problem comes in the transportation efficiency of distributing hydrogen as a fuel. In a nutshell, based on current pressure ratings of trucks designed to carry compressed hydrogen, it would take 13 tanker trucks to carry the same amount of thermal energy as is contained in only one ethanol tanker truck. This also means it would take 13 times as much energy to transport the same energy equivalent. The major long-term issue with hydrogen as a fuel is in the generation of hydrogen. Basically, hydrogen is produced by splitting water into its elements, hydrogen and oxygen. There are a number of ways, but the only way that's renewable and practical on a large scale is electrolysis, that is, applying electricity to water to force this separation. Another current non-renewable method for hydrogen production is from the steam reforming of natural gas and coal. In fact, about 95% of our current supplies of hydrogen come from coal and natural gas. The catch here is that both coal and natural gas are non-renewable, and the process of steam reforming produces 20% more carbon dioxide than if the coal or gas were burned directly, adding that much more carbon dioxide to global warming issues. So using non-renewable energy sources to make hydrogen is not sustainable or logical. Currently, millions of tax dollars are being spent on developing new nuclear power plants, with one argument being that they'll produce hydrogen. Unfortunately, this approach has several serious problems. First is the cost of building these nuclear plants, since they're many times more expensive than any other system for producing electricity. Next is the issue of nuclear waste from even more power plants, since we still have no practical or reasonable way to deal with the existing backlog of thousands of tons of nuclear waste. Then there's the overall nuclear safety issue, both for populations adjacent to an operating nuclear power plant and from terrorism. In addition, if you include the economic and environmental costs of uranium mining and transportation along with generation, the actual contribution to greenhouse gases, thermal pollution, and resource depletion from nuclear power is very significant. Next week, we'll look at a positive way to generate hydrogen and other issues. But in the meantime, more information about hydrogen is available in issue number 80 of Back Home Magazine at 800 
or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. Back Home is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, this is Ned Ryan Doyle. Thanks. Listen to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up! And be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. Listen to Your Community Spirit every Friday morning from 10 to 10.30 right here on WDBX 91.1. And you are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show, well, about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Um, We don't have tons of happenings, but the ones we have are, I think, pretty crucial for people who should be listening. (laughs) It is the beginning of hunting season. Yes. uh, Hunting season. Firearm hunting season. So this is the weekend I completely and totally do not recommend people to go out in the woods. So don't go out in the woods and wear brown and walk around on all fours because you may be in trouble. (laughs) Yeah, so. um, Oops. But also... Who Killed the Electric Car is out on DVD. Ah, excellent. And um, The Inconvenient Truth will be available on DVD November 22nd. Mm-hmm. So those are a few happenings. Otherwise, last night was the vegetarian Thanksgiving dinner. Yes, it was. It went really well. It was all local food. Well, was there anything not local? There was, I think there was a little bit non-local. I think there might have been a non-local spice of some sort, and I know my uh, cranberry sauce had non-local oranges. <laughs> Where'd you get the cranberries? Oh, the cranberries. Oh, the cranberries were also non-local. That's right. <laughs> but um, but other than that, like it was you know at least ninety percent local foods. It was and vegan everything. Yeah, vegan. And the apples in my cranberry sauce were local. Yeah, there was apples and apple cider and um, greens, and I liked the salad. Yeah. And then stuffing and mashed potatoes and gravy. and So, vegetarian Thanksgiving. Speaking of such, Fast Food Nation movie opens in Carbondale. Today. Yes, the long awaited. It opens at the University Place 8 today. Uh, you can check for showtimes at the Showtime phone 1-800-FANDANGO. <laughs> I just put that in there because I wanted to say it. Yeah. If you haven't heard about Fast Food Nation, there was a book, Fast Food Nation, but this is um, an actual fictionalized thriller inspired by the book, Yeah. which was um, a best-selling non-fiction expose of junk food company. The story of fast food is the story of post-war America. Though created by a handful of mavericks, the fast food industry has triggered the homogenization of our society. Fast food has hastened the mauling of our landscape, widened the chasm... how do you say that? Chasm? Oh, like chasm. 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 My tongue is... I keep wanting to say chasm, but it's chasm. The chasm between rich... The big, deep hole. Yeah. Rich and poor. Yeah. Fueled an academic of obesity and propelled 
the jaggernaut of American cultural imperialism abroad. And forgot to say, it also causes um, higher fuel consumption. In yeah, because of it does. Fast. Yeah, because that other story we read the other yeah. time. So you could say the fast food nation, by getting fatter, we contribute to um, terrorism. Because most of our oil comes from, well, the Middle East. <laughs> it's a little stretch, I'm just... So, um, along the way, the director unearths a trove of fascinating, unsettling truths from the unholy alliance between fast food and Hollywood to the... Oh, yeah, I, lost, I lost my place. Yeah. The seismic changes the industry has wrought in food production, popular culture, and even real estate. This movie is rated R for disturbing images, you know, gluttony, strong sexuality, language, and drug content. And by drug content, they mean fast food. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> no, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure they mean also some other drug content. Otherwise, it wouldn't have gotten the R rating. Yeah. But, but fast food is a drug. <laughs> so. so, yeah, that's fast food nation. It comes to town tonight. And I'm excited. You know, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to probably, even though I don't really have much money right now, I'm going to skip. You know, a skip, meal? No, I don't know about skip a meal, but skip out on some other aspect of life. <laughs> and um, just to go to this, because this is important stuff. I also have uh, happening um, plenty USA, which is like I call them the hippie peace corps. Mm-hmm. They go in and they do solar, they do midwifery, do they do soy? Like in Guatemala, they built soy plants to make tofu and soy milk. Anyway. Um, are doing alternative Thanksgiving break and Christmas break. What they're doing is getting volunteers to go down to New Orleans to still, a year afterwards, there is serious problems. People are still living in houses that, well, you not shouldn't be living in. Yeah. So they're going, they're taking big farming crews and uh, supplies down to go fix up people's houses. Um, it's just online at plenty.org. So, yeah. Sounds like a good way to spend the break. Yep. Good way to, to give thanks by uh, helping others. And I actually just saw a video of the alternative spring break where people went down there during spring break and fixed up um, different homes and stuff. And, all right, I've been putting this off, but I have written, got an editorial here. Lame deck on the menu this Thanksgiving. <laughs> In many other democracies, the leaners take over within days or even hours of their triumph. Here, that is in the U.S. of A., senators and representatives who have been removed by their constituents retain significant power for more than two months. We've had a week to decompress after the watershed 2006 midterm elections, but we're just a week out from Thanksgiving holiday. Tack on the next month leading up to Christmas, and you have what is commonly known as the lame duck session of Congress. Mm. Lame duck sessions can be unproductive and contentious or prolific and harmonic, but mostly they're, you know, somewhere in between, nothing much gets done. Those who lost their re-election bids might just want to close up shop and go, or they might have unfinished business to pursue and scores to settle. (laughs) Given the track record of Congress and the Bush administration's billions in giveaways to big oil in recent years, no shortage of ethics 
and sex scandals and zero action on global warming, the lame duck session this year has the potential to get quite ugly. The ugly duckling. Yeah. Still, no one should be surprised if some of their last acts in Congress would be to give Americans the bird. <laughs> All right. Now get out your pen and pencils, because I'm going to give the Thanksgiving lame duck recipe tip. If you're thinking of substituting lame duck for the standard Thanksgiving turkey this year, here is how lame duck is usually prepared. First, you have a nice juicy spending bill. <laughs> Stuff it with lots and lots of political pork and le legislative... Eh, my tongue is really not working this morning. Fried food from last night. <laughs> Legislative riders that wouldn't normally pass the smell tests. Add loopholes and subsidies to taste. Bake in Washington's hot air. Leave town and stick taxpayers with the bill. That was lame duck on the menu this Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving lame duck recipe tip. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like quite a recipe. I think they're already working on that. <laughs> so, um... We'll be right back. Yes. I can't remember which one to press. A little bit of a musical interlude. ocean temperatures and extreme weather, an uppercut, and record-breaking heat waves hit us right where it hurts. Has it occurred to anyone that maybe the Earth is trying to get our attention? We can still reduce greenhouse gas pollution. To find out how, go to fightglobalwarming.com. Brought to you by Environmental Defense, the Robertson Foundation, and the Ad Council. That was a good one. Yeah. You're listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's get into some news here. Yes. I'm going to say the good story about Walmart, and then you get to say the real story. Yes. So we get to play good Walmart, bad Walmart. What's in your wallet? Ah, wallet. Ha -ha. Walmart issues a progress report on its experimental Echo Store. <laughs> they get to, you know, do their own progress report on their experimental Echo Store. Now, this store is really good. I'm not saying that it's not bad. It's a really good store. The company Greens Hate to Love is releasing a report on its progress at its year-old experimental Echo Store in Aurora, Colorado. Walmart is triumphing its successes from waterless urinals to LED lights in its freezers and acknowledge its, its um, challenges such as wind turbines that have short-circuited, recycled uh, rubber sidewalks that have warped and faded. The mega behemoth has also met with Target, Costco, and other competitors to try to gain allies and drive costs down as it works to green its other stores. While progressive shiver at the company's labor record, they're praising these new steps. None of this is green standing, says Carl Pope, executive director of the Sierra Club. 
they deserve the chance to show that their business model is compatible with high standards, not just low prices. High standards are swell and all, but Walmart execs emphasize that the real reason for the shift to save the company and is f to save the company and its customers money and the good press doesn't hurt hmm. straight to the source Los Angeles Times the 13th of November 2006 and that's what a lot of companies are finding now to go green saves them money I mean yeah, many different ways especially if they start with things like a simple uh, you know energy uh, energy efficiency and such yep. it just makes sense <laughs> It makes sense. Ah, uh, it makes sense and dollars. Oops. Ah, uh, uh, sense and dollars. But, yes, in other news, uh, the Walmart labeling case, is that the other Walmart case? <laughs> yes, the case of the mislabeled case. <laughs> Walmart accused of incorrectly labeling organic products. Ah, Walmart, always reliable for some good old-fashioned eco-drama. <laughs> yes, they are. This week, the Cornucopia Institute an activist group representing small farmers filed a complaint with the U.S. Department of Agriculture that accuses Walmart of incorrectly labeling or otherwise misrepresenting various products as organic in some stores. Visiting a dozen stores in four Midwestern states, the group found several troubling misrepresentations. In one case, so-called all-natural yogurt, you know, quote, all-natural yogurt, was labeled organic. In several stores, non-organic products were residing in an organic designated cooler. Quote, we live and die by the reputation of the organic label, says Cornucopia co-founder and organic farmer Mark Castle. Quote, if Walmart cheapens it, we all lose. Walmart poo-pooed the accusations and defended its organic offerings. Nevertheless, the USDA has opened an investigation into the retailer's organic labeling practices. Violations of labeling standards can carry a fine of $10,000 per instance. Straight to the source, the Washington Post, Associated Press, the 15th of November, 2006. And just to keep on top of Walmart, I decided to have our website of the week be Walmart Goes Green Help us hold Walmart accountable for its environmental promises. The website is dub3.walmartwatch.com. Yes. So I'm sure they'll have stuff on there about the organics question and about the eco store. Yeah, just to make sure. I mean, they're starting to do a lot of... A lot of companies are starting to do this. Not Some of it's greenwashing, but a lot of it is... Green has now become... Um, economically viable it may it has reached a point now it's in many cases it's actually cheaper to go green um, it is a little more difficult because you know some builders and um, companies don't know how to find the products but when you find the product like a perfect example is uh, low VOC paint uh, VOC stands for volatile organic compounds it's in pollution if you paint with regular paint for years, it puts out sl small amounts of pollution. Yes, the fumes. You can buy paint that doesn't put out fumes, and it doesn't cost any more. It's just not readily available everywhere. So, yeah. So, yeah, and it's, these ideas are starting to become more and more mainstream. So, 
Anytime you have sort of progressive or radical or whatever you call them ideas that start becoming mainstream, it's important to watch and be sure that, you know, sometimes it actually is being embraced and other times it's being used as a cover. <laughs> so it doesn't hurt to watch. Yep. So that's why our website of the week, walmartwatch.com. Fun, fun, fun till Batty takes the T-note away. <laughs> U.S. climate ch- talks continue, but dissension rules the day. As week two of the UN climate talks kicks off in Nairobi, Kenya, debate is ranging on how to manage a fund that will help poorer countries adapt to climate change. Western countries want the 300, I almost said 300, mm-hmm. 3 million, yeah. that's it. A three million dollar fund, which is expected to grow to seven hundred and fifty million, to be run by a group allied with the World Bank. But developing countries want to run it themselves or use a less restrictive manager so they can access access the money more quickly. Next thing you know, they'll be asking for the car keys. Observers worry that the feud is distracting from the real issue, what to do when the Kyoto Protocol expires. Quote, after last year's relatively successful UN summit meeting, there is a feeling here of people resting on their laurels, says Andy Atkins of the relief agency Tear Fund. Unless they get agreement here on when to start discussions on post-2012 targets, they're in danger, well, of not having post-2012 targets. Members of the subcommittee on when to start discussions on targets had no comment. (laughs) Straight to the source, BBC News, the 12th of November, 2006. Yeah, 2012 is going to come upon us pretty quickly. So let's see, in other news... Now we've got quite a bit of other needs. Oh, where to go? <laughs> uh, how about today's tip from treehugger.com? I like treehugger.com. So the, the poor, fading myth of the paperless office. No more needs to be said, really. On the upside, technology has enabled a paper-reduced office for a long time now. Really? Huh? Yeah. Right? It seems like most people <laughs> back up their whole thing with paper. Yeah, sometimes. But there, there are cases like... I mean, if you compare it to, like, you know, 20 years ago, <laughs> we've got paper reduction because of computers. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, let's see. So for a long time now, you've been able to print multiple pages to a sheet. You know, you can make them smaller, like, so you can still read them. And even if your printer won't print on both sides of the page, you can still reduce the number of sheets that you print. So today's tip from com is you can... Reduce your paper consumption by changing your printing habits. Yep. Um, and, well, half the time you don't have to print. Yeah. You yep. can now buy, like, memory sticks for a really cheap amount of money and just put your documents on that and then go show it on another computer or something. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm actually applying that right now because, you know, you emailed me some of the stories and I, my first instinct was, oh, I'll print these out so I can also have a printed copy, but... Like, instead, I'm just reading them right off of my laptop right now. See? Saving paper, saving trees, <laughs> from treehugger.com. <laughs> the appliance of their eye. U.S. DOE will phase in energy efficiency standards for household appliances. After years of thumb twiddling, the U.S. Department of Energy will phase in more stringent energy efficient requirements for 22 
household appliance and, and other pieces of equipment over the next five years. Congress requires ramped up energy standards according to periodic deadlines. This debate is only a dozen or so late years late, so you'd think as critics would cut the DOE some slack. But steely-eyed green groups joined by 15 states and the New York City sued over the delay last year, and now a settlement is forcing the department to get off its arse. Gizmos with better energy efficiency, including dishwashers, fluorescent lamps, ovens, and the like, will starve, stave off the construction of dozens of new power plants and save enough juice to meet the needs of 20 million homes once fully in place. Under the settlement, the department mu must set standards at the maximum technological, feasible, and cost-effective level possible. Wow, what a bright idea. <laughs> Straight to the source, San Francisco Chronicle, Associated Press, Fond de Lac Reporter, the 13th of November, 2006. So, I mean, if you just rate, replace an incandescent bulb with a compact fluorescent bulb, you are saving in Illinois the equivalent of, let's see, about 600 pounds of coal. Yeah. Per year. Per year. Because <laughs> it takes about that much energy to produce electricity to light that bulb. Yeah, so just imagine your size and several of you like piled in a big pile and that much amount of coal. Well, just 600 pounds a year yeah. for one light bulb. Yeah, and that's just one light bulb. If you got like 10 light bulbs in your house or you run a, a public facility that has 500 light bulbs. <laughs> yeah. So in other news, well, I've got to read this one because it's trench-related in my... Uh, my brother teaches French. <laughs> <laughs> That's a stretch. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. I've got to though. No, no more. I, I always think of it when I see French stuff. <laughs> no more McDonald's for them. French Prime Minister proposes an import tax on Kyoto-averse countries. Um, I think I'm going to skip straight to the story. They've got a little humor. But <laughs> the, the big news is that the French Prime Minister has proposed a European tax on imports from countries that don't play along with the Kyoto Protocol. Some see the idea, which would require European Union support, as a protectionist trade measure. But de Villepin, the Prime Minister, maintains that it's crucial for battling big polluters like the U.S. and China. Quote, Europe has to use all of its weight to stand up to this sort of environmental dumping, he said, promising a concrete tax proposal by March. France is also aiming for a new coal tax and increased taxes on polluters. The environment is a global issue, the Villepin said. Our efforts will be worthless if we are the only ones fighting for the future of the planet. <laughs> Straight to the source, Reuters, 13th of November, 2006. So Captain Planet fighting for the future from France. <laughs> Taking it from all sides, Bush faces climate criticism from Greens, U.S. mayors, the entire world. Oh, man, he's a tough guy. <laughs> yeah. You know how when you're making a bad choice, your friends tell you, but you just don't see it? <laughs> Listen up, Bush administration. In his speech yesterday, U.N. Secretary General Kofi Annan cited a frightening lack of leadership on climate change. He later said he wasn't pointing at the U.S., but you wouldn't know it from the response from Paula 
Dobrinsky, Undersecretary of State for Democracy and Global Affairs. Quote, we think the United States has been leading in its groundbreaking initiatives, she said, before asking that all mirrors be removed from the site so she wouldn't have to face herself. On the home front, Green sued the White House for failing to issue a climate report due in 2004. So it wasn't issued at all. It's 2004. Yeah. <laughs> Mayors gathered in Utah to report on their efforts to meet Kyoto Protocol goals. There's actually a whole bunch of mayors that have signed on to the Kyoto Protocol when, you know, the federal government, well, mayors and the state of California have signed on. Yeah. Maybe so, Mayor Brad Cole will sign on, too. I don't know. Let's find out. Well, or maybe we'll get a different mayor. Maybe. <laughs> And Washington, D.C. considered a bill that would make the first major U.S. city to require developers to use energy-saving measures in new buildings. Um, to make it the first Washington, D.C. is considering. Um, which is kind of funny because that's not true because you... Um, this, what is it? I just forgot. The, the capital of Utah. They've, they've already done that. Yeah, Salt Lake City. There you go. Yeah. Um, they've already made it so that all um, new buildings have to be LEED certified. Oh. So, back to Bush. We just want to let you know, we do it out of love. <laughs> We're just worried about you. Straight to the source, the New York Times, Washington Post, Pentecost Reuters, 16th of November at MSNBC, the 15th of November, 2006. Yes. Just having a little intervention with Bush. <laughs> yeah. I do want to read the headline, A Bee in His Bonnet, The London Mayor Proposes Steep Congestion Charge for Gas Guzzlers. He is actually going to raise the current $15 a day to go into downtown London yeah. for an SUV to $47 a day <laughs> for an SUV to go downtown London. Yeah. It's like... Well, get you some pause, you know, like maybe maybe I should take the, the train in after all. Well, they have a really good public transportation system. Yeah. Basically, I mean, SUVs are way too big to get into most European cities. They yeah. completely block the roads. There's no parking for them, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, in most European cities, the SUV is like two lanes. Of the <laughs> well, not that way. It's like two parking spaces. Yeah. <laughs> two lanes. All right. I hope this has been an exciting and informative half hour of your community spirit. Yes, I'm pretty excited and informed in this half hour myself, and I'm just the one here reading the story. If you want to be this to be your community spirit, please let us know of any happenings in this town, because if you don't let us know, you won't know <laughs> that it's happening. Yeah, all your friends could learn about the important happenings you've got going on. Email us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And have fun out there. Enjoy the cold weather. I'm getting a catcher's mitt. I'm getting ice skates. I'm getting a jigsaw puzzle. I'm getting dying coral reefs. A blue bicycle. A walkie-talkie. I'm getting a severe drought. Cool black skateboard. I'm getting melted ice caps. A killer heat wave. A shrinking glacier. I'm getting a devastating flood. Adults are generous. We're even giving kids global warming. But it's not too late. We can still reduce greenhouse gas pollution. Go to fightglobalwarming.com. Brought to you by Environmental Defense, the Robertson Foundation, and the Ad Council.